Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I'm Dr. Christine Schaffner, and today my guest is Caitlin Thompson. We're going to be talking about healing the psycho-emotional origins of chronic illness with psychedelics and combo. After conquering her own battle with depression and anxiety, neurobiologist Caitlin Thompson set out on a mission to share healing tools and empower other individuals to take their mental wellness into their hands. During her healing process from Lyme disease, chronic fatigue, PTSD, pain, and a plethora of other autoimmune symptoms, she founded her nutritional supplement company, Ethiozen, in an effort to bring the importance of nutrient therapy into light in regards to mood health. She's also a practicing medicine woman and is a certified combo practitioner. Caitlin is an independent scientific researcher and is conducting research on the potential of psychedelic compounds as a novel approach to autoimmune conditions, as well as the first human combo studies. Her greatest passion is sharing her healing journey and is using it to inspire and empower others with the knowledge that everyone has the innate ability to heal themselves. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Caitlin. I learned a lot. Um, some of my patients have been bringing their work with psychedelics and combo to me, and I'm super interested and curious if this can be something that can accelerate your own healing journey. So I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome, Caitlin. I'm really excited to do this interview with you today. Thank you. It is such a pleasure to be on your podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So your story is so unique and you have this intersection of healing from chronic illness, acknowledging trauma, and then also using this, you know, really still underutilized form of plant medicine to uh, heal trauma. And, you know, in the U.S., I think there's a lot more awareness, especially um, in the realm of psycho-emotional healing, where people are starting to talk about psychedelics. There's certain organizations who are trying to fund research. And, you know, more and more of my patients are asking me my opinion and sharing their experience. So I, I just really admire your journey and your willingness to share and do this work. And I'm really excited to dive deep into this topic today. Yeah, it's absolutely wild how much um, the therapeutic use and medicinal exploration of psychedelics has exploded. Even the last five years as, as someone who's been kind of in the psychedelic space for a little bit now, I've just seen this rapid acceleration of interest by the public, by researchers, by uh, spiritual teachers. I mean, it's culturally, I think, really becoming um, quite uh, popular as far as an idea that people are starting to explore. Mm -hmm. And it's so great to have alternatives, right? I mean, as someone who sits with patients with chronic illness every day, you know, I just see this explosion and anxiety, depression, and people having a, more of an awareness of trauma. But, you know, talk therapy, of course, has a place in healing. It just doesn't always have that transformational experience we all want for people to truly heal and be able to move on and become whole and be able to really integrate that experience and heal from it. So I think this is just really powerful medicine that of course we want all of our patients to experience this form of deep profound healing so they're not suffering, right? So no, I, I'm really um, curious as we dive into this topic, if you can share a little bit about your story and how you came to psychedelics to heal this part of you. Yeah, absolutely. So I started exploring with psychedelics um, as a, a young adult, like kind of uh, in my beginnings of college, like any, you know, it's a curious young person would. And in the beginning, it was just me being curious. And um, I think actually a lot of people end up sort of stumbling upon psychedelics in that way, where they're just a young, exploratory person trying things out. And um, 
what I had actually accidentally discovered was that my regular psychedelic use had been mitigating chronic health symptoms that I was completely unaware that I even had. So it all started in my undergraduate degree. Um, I was, I think, maybe in the fourth year or so of my undergrad. And um, up until this point, I had been pretty regularly going to festivals and events, um, you know, taking psychedelics like LSD, psilocybin mushrooms. And I had even started uh, drinking ayahuasca at that point. I went to Peru, to Iquitos, and did um, a retreat. And then my last semester or so, year of college, um, you know, my classes were hard. <laughs> so I was doing an undergraduate in neurobiology. And I kind of just took a step back from the partying and decided to focus on school and really crank out this last you know, year. And what I found like clockwork was that around the seventh to eighth week after my last psychedelic experience, I would start to kind of gradually mentally unravel. I would become increasingly anxious. I would become increasingly depressed and agitated and in pain and my sleep quality would suffer. And it happened every time. It took like three or four instances for me to finally kind of connect the dots. And what I actually discovered was that I had some sort of chemical and physiological related at least um, imbalance that was emerging as these primarily like um, psycho-emotional symptoms at the time and that I had actually been effectively mitigating them with regular psychedelic use. And that was really fascinating for me. And that, that actually led me down a whole rabbit hole of looking deeper into the scientific literature um, on mood disorders. And I kind of accidentally stumbled upon this spiraling health journey where I discovered that I actually had a lot of chronic health issues like PTSD, chronic fatigue, um, some gut and central nervous system infections, you know, gut dysbiosis, food allergies, um, all sorts of you know, words that we use to describe things that we commonly see in people with chronic illness. And uh, so in some way, psychedelics actually helped me realize how it wasn't normal to be tired and sleeping 14 hours a day as a 22 year old. It wasn't normal to be in chronic pain all the time. It wasn't normal to have dry skin and digestive issues. Um, so in some way, psychedelics led me to finding my own health and vitality. Of course, they were not the only tool. I wanna to emphasize that, but they, I think were the original window into um, a life that was full of more vitality and health. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. And that's so interesting that you studied neurobiology in school. And then of course, you know, your whole life experiences is really teaching you, right? The power of this medicine. And so we'll get into, you know, how psychedelics heal trauma and heal our psycho-emotional health. However, you make this connection about how the psychedelics have were also a therapeutic for potentially you know, some of the maybe underlying causes that might have been triggering anxiety and, you know, all of these insomnia, all of these feelings that you shared. And so can you just talk a little bit about the medicinal or the botanical benefit to heal maybe like infection or um, how the body detox or kind of that 
the, what you found in your own journey and in your work, you know, how psychedelics can actually be a therapy um, in that state, in that way? Yeah, absolutely. And I actually just submitted um, a literature review on this topic to be published because it turns out that psychedelics actually do have a lot of evidence for um, very biochemical ways that they can modulate the immune system, inflammation, it, you know, it can actually maybe interact with microbes, which has a lot of implications for chronic infections and microbiome balance. It's quite fascinating. And one thing that's quite unique about psychedelics is that they seem to be multifaceted in that they do not only address things in these biochemical, mechanical ways, but they also address things in these psycho-spiritual ways, which you know, the deeper we sort of investigate, the more we realize those things are very much related. And it's, it's not that woo-woo. It's actually very explainable by understanding the biochemical downstream mechanisms of stress, which, you know, is what trauma ultimately causes for people. So yes, there are um, a number of uh, anti-inflammatory agents. So we've seen that LSD, for example, um, reduce some of the inflammatory cytokines um, while increasing anti-inflammatory cytokines. Um, we see the same thing happening with 5-MeO-DMT and NN-DMT where they're activating the you know, Sigma-1 receptor, which is a highly modulatory uh, pathway for some basic cellular functions like uh, cell apoptosis and mitochondrial function, which are one of the first things to kind of go awry in these chronic inflammatory conditions. Um, and we also see that, you know, there's a very good likelihood that psychedelics could be interacting with our microbiota. We don't know this for sure. This is highly speculative. There really, nobody's looked at it, but um, we do know that Bacteria in our guts, um, they, they excrete things like serotonin and other neurotransmitters as signaling molecules. Um, you know, it, it's kind of up to, for debate whether they're signaling molecules or they're just metabolic byproducts. But I personally believe that there's evidence that they're actually signaling molecules so they can communicate within these population dynamics in the gut. Um, and they actually have the ability to take in serotonin to their cells. There's a, a transporter that's somewhat um, homologous to CERT, which is the serotonin transporter that we see in, in animals. So bacteria can take up serotonin. Now, these psychedelic compounds are serotonin analogs typically. So they have very close molecular structure to serotonin. And so, there's a high likelihood that these, these serotonergic psychedelic molecules that bind to serotonin receptors in animals um, are also likely able to be transported into bacteria through this serotonin transporter similar type protein that they have. Now, we have no idea what that means, what the implications are, but what we do know is that serotonin can influence the growth and population dynamics of certain endogenous gut bacteria, which um, hopefully your, your listeners are able to sort of make the inference that um, 
you know, the microbiome is such a, an influential pillar in determining whether people have chronic health symptoms or the development of autoimmune diseases, et cetera. So I find all of that incredibly fascinating. And we're just barely scratching the surface, looking at how these things can biochemically actually mitigate things like pain, inflammation, immune dysfunction, or even the presence of chronic infections, you know, perhaps in the GI tract where it's very much a fuzzy line between um, uh, a population that's part of your ecosystem versus population that overgrows and is considered a low-grade chronic infection. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's fascinating. Thank you for diving into that. And, you know, with, you know, modern life, I, you know, all of our gut microbiomes, even if we do everything right, unfortunately, uh, you know, we're affected, right, by the environment and primarily glyphosate, right, is uh, the active ingredient roundup, and that can affect our gut bacteria's uh, production of, you know, uh, precursors to serotonin. So I feel like a lot of people are serotonin deficient, and that's why we see these rises in depression, anxiety, and so forth. And with that being said, as you're sharing these really fascinating therapeutic effects, and I know you're speculating, but to get the benefit, do people have to microdose daily? Or is it something that, you know, you can have an experience or an encounter with a plant and that can, you know, shift kind of the terrain and kind of shift the course, you know, that it doesn't have to be done daily to get the therapeutic effect? Sure. Um, I mean, honestly, I'd be lying if I said that I knew. We just don't know, scientifically speaking, because we're in the infancy of research. Um, but I think the answer can actually be both, really depending on the individual's needs. I think sometimes having a cathartic, healing, psycho-spiritual experience, for example, um, drinking ayahuasca, maybe you have this experience where you Forgive your mother for being an alcoholic and not showing up for you as a parent. And that helps you unwind this, this deep sort of um, physiological pattern of trauma that your body's been holding on to, that your nervous system and your immune system has been holding on to. And it's possible that that could have very immediate and dramatic sort of resulting cascades in your physiology and just in your spiritual body. And alternatively, I can see something like microdosing a psychedelic like LSD or mushrooms, um, you know, every other day or every three days or, you know, whatever protocol you're doing. I could see that also having incredible immune modulating effects and anti-inflammatory effects while also sort of slowly helping you arrive at a space where you're more centered on an emotional and spiritual level. I think very much our emotional work that we do is um, intimately tied with the state of our physiology. And I think sometimes we can't actually do our emotional processing until our physiology is resourced. Because I think when we're in an inflamed, oxidized, stressed and depleted state, our body will actually, our psyche will actually protect us from our emotional pain because it doesn't feel that it has the resources to mitigate the perhaps the oxidation or the inflammatory effect of coping with the pain. So sometimes when our bodies are not resourced properly, it'll protect us from accessing these deeper memories or um, ideas that we're protecting ourselves from. 
Thank you for sharing that. And that's great. And I, you know, of course, I'm just, I know this is such a pioneering field, right? We have so much to learn and so much to discover, but I think brought up a lot of great points there. And you know, kind of taking us a step back, right? So we've already dove into trauma and how that like affect the body. And it was a beautiful description of how, you know, when you really come into touch with that and heal that, how that can have a physical effect. But we do know there is research to show, you know, how does really trauma and childhood stress really contribute to chronic illness? And what have you found in your work that, you know, that's a risk factor, you know, for having chronic illness? Yeah, absolutely. So there's actually, um, been a, a fair amount of research looking at ACEs, which are adversive childhood experiences, mm-hmm. and the um, connection between them and the development of specific illnesses, in, including chronic illnesses like autoimmune conditions. And we see this very intimate link between uh, the score of, you know, which someone can basically measure the amount of trauma that they had as a child and the correlation of their likelihood to develop some sort of chronic condition. Um, We see in women uh, with fibromyalgia, like some, I forget the exact percentage, but I think it's about 60 to 70% of women diagnosed with fibromyalgia have also reported incidents of childhood sexual abuse. That's kind of an enormous number when you really think about it like why are so many people that are afflicted with these autoimmune conditions also um, showing up with these these childhood traumatic experiences it's it's so um, undeniably connected that I think we really need to pause and take a moment and consider these things when we're approaching treating a chronic illness And, um, you know, it's quite explainable by science. Like I said earlier, um, yes, there's a spiritual sort of perspective that I could incorporate and I definitely identify with, but it's really quite simple is, you know, when you have a chronic stress response, there are a number of consequences to our physiology. We have dysregulated autonomic nervous system function with the HPA axis is all wonky in your vagal nerve tone which is undoubtedly gonna affect your ability to digest and extract nutrients from food, your ability to fight infections, um, your ability to like nourish your own organs and body because we're not designed to be in a chronic stress response. When we experience stress as a wild human, we mm-hmm. run from the lion for a good two minutes or whatever, and, you know, assuming we escape, um, then that's the end of our traumatic, uh, stressful encounter. We're not designed to be running from a lion every day, five days a week, 40 hours a week, you know, um, from our boss <laughs> in a chronic stress response. And when we're in a stress response, the first thing that the body does is shut down the non-essential uh, acute processes that we don't need to save ourselves and run from that lion immediately. We don't need to really worry about digesting food when we're running from a lion. That's not important at the moment. We don't need to worry about a chronic uh, infection that could fester and kill you in a week when we're running from a lion. Um, We don't need to worry about any of those things um, because they're, they're 
long-term goals that the human body has. And those things are important in the eyes of our physiology when we're running from a lion. So because of our modern human lifestyle and the presence of trauma, um, we have really sort of adapted to this like lifestyle that we're not evolutionarily designed for. And so you start having these chronic stress uh, consequences from trauma, for living in an abusive household, for being yelled at every day, for not feeling supported or nurtured by your mother, you know, et cetera. Um, and you start to develop uh, GI issues. You start to develop a low immune system. You start to develop nutritional deficiencies because you're not properly producing bile and and extracting nutrients from your food. And then next thing you know, you're kind of spiraling down into um, a state of imbalance and dysbiosis where your symptoms can look totally different depending on your unique biochemistry and where your weak link is in your genes. And um, that is how chronic illness develops, in my opinion, is it all starts with some sort of original trauma that compromised a person and made them a sitting duck for infections like Lyme or Epstein-Barr, and that they just kind of cascaded down this spiral. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Caitlin. That's awesome. I am um, an awesome explanation for a lot of complex, you know, uh, interactions of how emotions affect our physiology. And I'm in a firm agreement with you in that, you know, there's typically some, you know, trauma that makes us susceptible to all these things, just like MTHFR, what have you, right? You know, these things right. are, you know, epigenetic vulnerability to becoming sick. And, you know, often I believe our our bodies are a barometer, right? Our bodies are these amazing, you know, physical beings that are a barometer for our emotional and spiritual health, you know, and if we can think about our life and our physical health in that way, I see people, you know, really embrace their healing and their journey in this whole other, you know, from this whole other perspective. And so, you know, one of the things, you know, I, you know, you, you're touching on is like this trauma gets stored in our physiology and it becomes, it's, it's subconscious, right? There obviously we don't have a lot of these conscious memories or ideas or some people do of course, but why this is so insidious and can be hard for people to heal is they don't see it. Right. And so it's working with a healer or a form of medicine that can, you know, awaken people to these subconscious thoughts, programs and trauma to then, you know, identify another way of being so that they can heal. And so psychedelics are a way to really release this emotional suppression and also kind of tap into these subconscious stories. And so can you just walk us through, you know, that, and of course you can, I would love you for to start you start sharing your work with specifically the plant medicine kombu. Um, we, I've um, been playing around with how to say it, kombu, <laughs> right? But, um, but if you could want to, you know, intersect that into the um, explanation as well, um, I'm very curious. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I just want to kind of uh, add one thing um, about how psychedelic compounds can actually um, open us up and sort of scramble the holding patterns that we have in our in our neurology and our psychology. Um, so there's this this brain circuit called the default mode network, and it acts as a filter for sensory information so that we don't have to take in the entire resolution of 
what's in our environment, we can just take in what we deem important to process and to create an understanding of um, our environment and how to interact with it. So it filters out stuff that's not important. And the psychedelic compounds, they disrupt hyperconnectivity of the default mode network. And when you have hyperconnectivity of the default mode network, you end up um, ruminating. You end up having this rigidity in your thinking and your thoughts um, that results in rumination. And you see this hyperconnectivity in people with addiction, with depression, with PTSD. So psychedelics kind of like take your brain like it's a snow globe and shake it <laughs> and get it unstuck. And I think that's one of the ways that it can facilitate us just kind of escaping the, our own rigidity of our minds. And that's one of the ways it helps us sort of um, be open to approaching our, our trauma and our perspectives in different ways. Now, that being said, I will transition into Cambo. So um, Cambo is actually not a plant medicine, technically speaking. It comes from an animal. It comes from a frog in the Amazon called Phylomedusa bicolor. And um, it has become one of my favorite things to talk about, to share, to study, because it is just so incredibly fascinating. And um, it, it is the skin secretion from the frog Phylomedusa bicolor that is indigenous to the Amazon. And it's been used traditionally by a number of different Amazonian indigenous groups for um, hunting magic and improving their sort of warrior stamina and hunting abilities, but also as a medicine for things like malaria, snake bites, and something called panema, which is kind of just like dark funk, like when you're getting a little lazy or depressed or whatever. Um, panema is, you know, this like funky dark energy that it can clear, allegedly. Um, and it's applied through these superficial burns made on the skin. So it's not taken orally or anything because it's so incredibly potent. And within, you know, 30 seconds of this secretion being uh, applied to the superficial burns made on the person, it enters through the lymphatic system. So it has very rapid effects. And this secretion is full of peptide molecules that have anti-inflammatory, anti-cancerous, antimicrobial, and immune modulating properties. And actually, a lot of them have been um, taken and had synthetic analogs created and are being patented and turned into drugs in conventional medicine because it's like a, a powerhouse factory of medicine in there. So what's interesting about Cambo is that it's not only these peptides that you know, have real measurable medicinal value, but there is this cathartic spiritual experience that this substance can induce that is quite fascinating. And I also want to note that Cambo is not a psychedelic. It's not a hallucinogenic compound. It's not bufo-toad medicine or 5-MeO-DMT. That's a completely separate creature, literally. Um, it, it's a, a non-hallucinogenic experience and therefore, it's currently unscheduled in almost all countries. So it has legal status, which is why I'm talking about it as a practitioner that provides it. Um, but I, I witness people go through these cathartic, intentional, psycho-emotional experiences 
with this substance and I watch it unwind the patterning of trauma in their nervous systems, in their immune systems, in their digestive systems, in their whole body. And it's quite fascinating. And even sometimes, you know, people will come to me um, to sit with that substance and they say, oh, well, I just want the detox or I want to, you know, whatever. They have some very like specific physical interest in it. They, they don't identify as a spiritual person or anything like that. And this medicine ends up tricking them into having spiritual experiences. It's, it's so funny, actually. Um, you know, they'll come in for their physical detox and then at the tail end of their experience when they're sort of coming down and they're laying and relaxing, they'll start crying about, you know, something their mother said to them <laughs> when they were a kid. And they'll have this whole, this whole experience about resolving these you know, old childhood memories and whatnot when they had zero intention to. And I've seen that many times, actually. So it's quite fascinating how a, a chemical substance can actually really get to the interface. It can access the interface between the soul and the body and help us really come into alignment and, and reset our uh, sort of spiritual embodiment and how that interacts with our biochemistry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And I, I didn't realize it was, you know, basically unregular. It's um, not, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, it's basically not classified as an illegal yeah. substance. Unscheduled. Right? Yeah. 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 So, um, no, so that, is accessible, right? Because there are obviously, you know, plant medicines that are, that we've mentioned that are not legal in certain places. So people have to go outside the country to experience the works. Yeah. This is really accessible, which is um, really, really exciting. And so walk us through like the logistics, right? Like, so somebody wants to experience this, they want to work with someone like you. So is there a preparation um, to um, experience the medicine or can they, you know, I know with other plant medicines, you have to do some type of cleansing or you have to be worried about what other prescription pharmaceuticals you're on, but what kind of sure. is needed? Yeah. So first I will say that um, it, there is no like ayahuasca dieta preparation. And um, actually if people are doing that type of preparation, it can hurt them specifically in regards to abstaining from salt. So uh, Cambo is a purgative. Um, you are going to drink a bunch of water before your point is applied, before the substance is applied, and you will vomit, you will purge. It's part of the cathartic experience of um, letting go energetically and, and also, you know, um, cleansing bile out is a great way to physically remove these bile-soluble um, compounds like toxins and such. But um, yes, you do not want to avoid salt. Uh, it actually can kill people to be on these ayahuasca dietas where they're avoiding salt and then do the cambo because they get hyponatremia, which is simply an electrolyte imbalance. It's that you, you know, you run out of electrolytes and your cells swell up with water and become hypotonic. It's very avoidable with um, making sure you're consuming salt and having regular uh, monitoring by your practitioner for water consumption. Um, but you can, you know, you can do your own sort of like intention setting, or if you want to eat cleaner leading up to the experience, that's totally fine. 
Um, now, what's great about Cambo is it doesn't have the same sort of drug interaction risks as something like ayahuasca, for example, where you're taking a monoamine oxidase inhibitor. So for this reason, I find that Cambo is quite accessible to people that are on a number of pharmaceutical agents, especially SSRIs or SNRIs or any sort of like a benzodiazepine or, or um, drugs like that. And of course, you have to be careful and delicate with those people, but they're not at risk of any sort of blatant acute drug interaction, which is great because sometimes people want to start their healing process, but they can't do ayahuasca because they have to wean off of their drugs first. So for this reason, I find it incredibly accessible to most people. It's legal. You can be on most medications while taking it. Um, as far as choosing a practitioner, um, you know, there's a lot of people have different styles of how they practice this medicine. And I think different practitioners are going to call to different populations of people. For example, I tend to naturally attract a lot of people with chronic illness um, because I have a very gentle approach and I, I go quite slow and easy. Whereas another practitioner might attract people that are looking for this like warrior, strong, cathartic experience that helps give them clarity in life or whatnot. Mm -hmm. I think the most important things to consider when choosing a practitioner um, is your safety ultimately and, and that they're going to listen to your needs and that they're going to be able to intuitively provide the best experience for you. Now, for me, I would say that always make sure that your practitioner is going to administer a test point on your first uh, administration, because there are rare, rare incidences where people do have extreme reactions to the Cambo. Um, and, and while we generally don't see a lot of accidents or anything with this substance, it's, it's actually incredibly safe um, considering how sort of outwardly violent and um, extreme the experience can look. It's actually physiologically quite safe when administered properly. However, your practitioner should always administer a test point before putting a full dose on you. And also for people with chronic illness, I find that they tend to be more sensitive because they have all sorts of infections. They have Lyme, they have Epstein-Barr, they have herpes infections. And so they um, tend to have extreme die-off symptoms, you know, Herxheimer effects. And so I think you have to be especially gentle with that population. Mm -hmm. So make sure your practitioner is doing a test point. Also, make sure your practitioner is um, monitoring the amount of water that you're drinking. You should not be drinking excessive amounts of water up and you know leading up into your ceremony you should only be drinking about one to two liters of water in the 10 minutes before you get your points put on just for purging purposes you don't want to you're not trying to hydrate you're literally trying to just have it in your stomach to make purging more easeful and smooth for you so do not drink excessive amounts of water do not abstain from salt and make sure that your practitioner is doing a medical screening on you. Make sure that they're asking you questions about your medical history, about what uh, medications and drugs or supplements you may be on, because there are a few contraindications that can be seriously dangerous. You should not be taking Cambo if you have heart conditions or a history of heart attack or heart surgery. 
Um, with some exceptions, like stints seem to be okay if you've had stints put in your heart. If you had an aneurysm or a stroke, you definitely shouldn't be taking Cambo because there are vasodilation and constriction um, effects happening. So you could potentially, you know, have like a rupture or something if you have an embolism or something like that. You shouldn't take Cambo if you're pregnant, et cetera. So make sure that your practitioner is screening you for those important contraindications to make sure that you're safe. And then some people um, have more peace of mind if a practitioner is certified with an organization. Um, I think the, the people that are certified tend to have a more formal, structured safety education in their practitioner training, which I think is valuable. But I don't think someone has to be certified to be a good practitioner that's safe. So I would say those are my, my best tips for choosing a practitioner that's going to uh, keep your safety and your well-being in mind. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. With the chronically ill patients who have like Herxheimer reactions or even, you know, I see a lot of sensitive patients who have, um, you know, some type of mast cell or like they have excessive histamine in their body. Would that right. be a contraindication or do you just have like Benadryl and an EpiPen by you just in case or what's your experience with that? Yeah. So as someone who has mast cell activation themselves, I, I eat nuts and I get lesions on my hands. Um, I'm personally kind of exploring that. We don't generally see anaphylactic situations. As far as I'm aware, there have been zero documented cases where somebody is experiencing a histamine-induced anaphylactic shock situation. Um, there is some lymphatic swelling in the face, um, but it doesn't appear to be a histamine response. So, you know, I don't have an EpiPen, and I think actually you could potentially harm someone by using an EpiPen because there are like a adrenaline um, stimulating compounds in the Cambo secretion. So I think you could actually potentially harm someone by using an EpiPen inappropriately in this case. Um, that being said, uh, I'm not sure. And I haven't, there's no research on any of this. I haven't seen any, mm. any insight into how these things may affect the histamine response. Mm. I know some people report um, that they actually have reduced histamine activity. And that could be due to um, managing chronic systemic infections. It could be due to microbiome changes. It could be due to um, nervous system changes that influence the microbiome and thus histamine production. We just don't know. Um, And I've had questions myself about, you know, is the cambo contributing to my personal mast cell activation? Or was that just because I lived in a moldy house, you know, for years and years of my life? It's really hard to say. So, but I will say is I've never witnessed anyone with mast cell activation um, necessarily getting worse or having an acute emergency intervention or anything of that sort, but I, we just don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, thanks for sharing that. That um, And that's really interesting that you are experiencing that within your own body and have had success with this medicine. So no, I appreciate you sharing that. And then how long, Caitlin, is an experience? So how long is the experience that somebody embarks on when they take combo? Yeah, so the the actual effects of the substance are quite short. It's about 20 to 30 minutes. And it, you know, feels like you have terrible food poisoning or stomach flu for that time. 
and then there's um you know a recovery period and you might feel a little goofy for um a, a few hours or whatever but people are generally able to safely drive home you know two two and a half hours after they show up at my house and start the ceremony so um it's quite quick it, it does not incapacitate people in general you can feel quite wiped out and sort of lethargic from it but not in a way that's going to make it unsafe for you to operate in the world people go to work the next day they you know resume normal activity because it's not a mind-altering psychedelic substance it's like 20 to 30 minutes feeling sick then you rest a little bit close the ceremony make sure you're good and then drive home it's it's uh, real quick actually oh wow yeah i didn't realize that that, that it was that short but that's that's super interesting So, I mean, this is, of course, you know, I know these topics can go deep, but I really wanted people to just get an overview and an understanding. You've done such an excellent job explaining science um, to pique more people's curiosity. But for those people who are listening out there, I mean, do you have like, in your experience, like an ideal person who really should seek this medicine out um, or, you know, any insights around that? Yeah, to be honest, the entire chronic illness population, which tend to be these undermethylators, you know, the people with the MTHFR variation, they're like the perfect candidate to get the most out of this medicine. Um, more than anyone, I would say, uh, they, they thrive so much with this substance. And I can speak personally and also from witnessing so many of my chronic health condition clients that this substance, it provides upward traction that I've never seen any other substance provide. And I'm a huge advocate of supplements and diet and fasting and mindfulness and yada, yada. But I, as far as bang for your buck, this stuff is a powerhouse. Like it just works better than anything that I've ever seen, to be honest. Um, and I think that it's particularly useful to people that have these chronic inflammatory conditions that tend to be low in neurotransmitter production that um, tend to have maybe even metabolic disorders. I mean, there's kind of a biotype that I see of people that develop those conditions and also really um, get the most out of Cambo as a medicine. So I think that population is really well suited to get a lot out of it. Mm. Thank you for that. And, you know, Caitlin, as we're wrapping up, you also created a nutritional supplement line. Um, so can you just share a little bit about, you know, your journey with that and what you've created? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, it's been wrapped up in my journey with psychedelics too, which is uh, in part why we have such psychedelic undertones in the name of the company and such, but it's called Entheozen. And, you know, in addition to psychedelic or uh, Cambo substances to help people heal, I really do believe in nutritional intervention because nutrients actually are really important for a lot of basic nervous system function and brain health. Um, So we have two main products. One is called Transcend. It's basically a natural alternative to an antidepressant or anti-anxiety medication. Um, And it's designed to resource and rebalance the nervous system so that you can bring yourself back into homeostasis and have emotional resilience. And then we also have a probiotic for brain and mood health, which I think is a really neat product. Um, and it's, it's specifically got 
different species of bacteria that have been studied for their importance in the gut-brain axis and doing things like helping you produce neurotransmitters like serotonin, dopamine, acetylcholine, and helping balance the stress response um, and connection between the nervous system and the gut. So those are great adjuncts if you know you are going to explore plant medicines or psychedelics or cambo. I find that they are really great supplemental tools for helping support your whole body health and you know especially created with conscientiousness about those with chronic illness because I know sometimes we as that population need supplements that are effective yet gentle. So um, they're very well tolerated supplements. And if anyone's interested, you can look on my website. It's entheozen.com, E-N-T-H-E-O-Z-E-N. We have those products for sale. Uh, and I can also offer a discount code. If you want to type in spectrum, then you can get 15% off on your checkout. And yeah, it's you know worth exploring soft sell, definitely only you know, consider it if it feels right to you. Thank you. No, I was looking at your products and yeah, they look really wonderful. So thank you for sharing that. And then Caitlin, how can people find out more about you and your work and how to work with you? Yeah. So if you're interested in learning more about uh, Cambo specifically, then you can go to my Cambo website, which is medicinefrogcambo.com. Cambo is spelled K-A-M-B-O, so medicinefrogcambo.com. Um, and you're also welcome to get in touch with me through my Entheozen website, which is my supplement site. So either of those are um, great ways to connect with me if you want to you know, share what's going on for you or ask a question. I'd be happy to help and connect in any way possible. Oh, well, this was so excellent and really, um, yeah, you're a wealth of knowledge and that you're speaking from this deep, profound level of experience, I can tell. And I really appreciate your passion for this and educating people. And, you know, I'm all for, you know, helping people heal in the most elegant way possible. And this just seems like a great tool that can really accelerate, you know, people's healing on a deep level. So thank you for your time and sharing all this wonderful information. And we'll have all of the information that Caitlin shared in the show notes. So you can find more about her supplements and her website and how to work with her. So thank you so much, Caitlin. Yeah, my pleasure. It was so so much fun to share about all these things I'm passionate about. So thanks for having me. Of course, of course.